Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 11. And in this study that we've been going through, last week we saw a couple of sisters, and uh, they had Jesus in their home. And we saw there was one that was so busy, she was troubled about all the work that had to be done. And her name was Martha. There was another, the other sister, her name was Mary. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Jesus told Martha, the one so busy and worried and troubled about all the work that she was doing, he said, why are you troubled about with all this work? And she said, well, make my sister get up and help me. You know, she's sitting there at your feet. I'm taking care of all of this housework and all of this food, all these things. And she's just sitting at your feet. And Jesus told Martha, Mary's chosen the good part. She's chosen the good part and the thing that's needful. And so, again, we saw so many important things uh, about this. What Martha wasn't getting was the, the aspect of relationship. And this morning, we're going to be really talking about our relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ, because we know that in the kingdom of God, service is needed. As a matter of fact, there has been, I, I want to say, there's, they're next door, um, and they're not going to be able to hear us, but maybe we can clap loud enough and yell loud enough to tell them. But our deacons, they've been setting up, they've been getting food ready, they're going to be serving us in a little bit. But let's just show, show our appreciation for our deacons right now for their service. Amen. Amen. I don't know if they can hear us, but praise God. Amen. But they, uh, and I'm not saying that they're not choosing the good part because they're serving. But uh, they, uh, they, uh, they are working very hard. But that's what, but Martha was missing the relationship part of having Jesus Christ in, in their life, in their home. And uh, again, just being with him. Service is needed. But again, the relationship was the most important thing. From that, that close relationship is where the service is to flow from. The same thing is for us today. If we choose the good part, that close, intimate relationship, sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, there's no question that our lives are going to be lives of service. We're going to be pouring out our lives for him because of our relationship with him. And again, we're going to see that uh, in, in this. But we saw last week those, those three important things when we say, I'm going to choose the good part. I'm going to choose, number one, a relationship with Jesus Christ. But as a child of God now, I'm going to choose a close relationship with Jesus Christ. Every day, I'm going to seek him in his word. I'm going to listen to what he has to say to me. And I'm going to pour out my heart to him. I'm going to worship at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to choose the good part in this life while I have time. We saw three things that we're going to face. The first thing is this. We're going to face opposition. If you choose to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then further than that, if you choose to walk with him in, in close intimacy all the days of your life in this world, you're going to find opposition. You're going to find it from your family. You're going to find it from your friends. You're going to find it from the world, your, maybe your coworkers, and, and, and several different places. You're going to find people come against you and say, why do you go to that church all the time? You're going to find people, why are you always talking about that Bible? Why are you always singing those kind of songs? Why are you always praying before you eat? Why are you always talking about how Jesus is everything? You're going to have people question whether they say that out loud to you or they judge that in their hearts. You're going to find opposition. But the second thing that you'll find, if you choose the good part, is you'll find opportunity. Just as Mary did, Mary found opportunity to worship. She found opportunity to serve. She found opportunity to be a witness. Matter of fact, Jesus said this is the testimony that's going to be for every generation from here on out because of what Mary had chosen. 
in her life. And then the third thing that we found, if we choose the good part, you'll find opulence. There's something that God can give us in this life that nothing in this world could ever give us. Jesus said, I give to them life and, and I give it to them more abundantly. The abundant life in this world doesn't necessarily have to do with, with things that we gain, the, the clothes, the money, the, the possessions, all that kind of stuff. It's not that. It's the things that God can only give spiritually to his children through this dark world. And again, as a child of God, if you choose that good part, no matter what you go through, you'll find opulence. You'll find riches, spiritual riches. You'll have things that this world can't even touch. And again, those are the things that we find if we choose the good part. So as we move forward this morning, again, going off of this important lesson that Jesus, that God's word gives us about Jesus showing the good part being that relationship, that intimacy with Jesus Christ, we'll move into another very, very important aspect of that in chapter 11. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the, the awesome uh, opportunity we have to celebrate you, to rejoice in what you've done uh, for 32 years here at Trinity Baptist Temple. Lord, we're so thankful uh, for the founding pastor. Lord, we're so thankful for the charter members. We're so thankful for the leaders uh, early on in this church that uh, set out and set forth uh, to do a work for you. And, and again, as you've added to this church uh, over the course of these last three, over three decades, God, we know that it's your work. We know that it's your hand. And Lord, we praise you for it all. God, and we ask that you continue to do that, even today, that if there's someone here that's lost, they don't have that relationship with you, that they won't leave this place the same way. They'll leave this place having given their life to you, knowing how much you love them, knowing what the most important thing in this life is to have. And Lord, again, we'll praise you for that. Lord, help us as, as, as those of us who are your children already. Lord, help us to see the important um, element that you've given to us, this important tool uh, to live the days of our life out with. Again, and we, we see you have, have done amazing things in this church through this, and so we, um, we want to continue to use that, God, this great tool, this great privilege you've handed to us. So Lord, we ask you to move now, just use me as a vessel, be glorified in all these things, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, if you've got your Bible there, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass... That is, he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and when he said unto them, I'm sorry, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask of any of you that is a father... Will he give him a stone? 
I'm sorry, ask bread of uh, any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. Trinity Baptist Temple's identity statement is a praying church with a passion for God and a passion for people. We put prayer first. Matter of fact, every Sunday morning, the first day of the week, before anything else happens in this place, there's a group of men that gathers, and we pray. And we pray for this day, we pray for this week, we pray for the families, we pray for men and women and, and children. And we pray for God's hand to be on everything that, that's going on. Again, we are desperate to see God work because we know if, if it's just of us, if it's of man, it's futile. It's going to go away. So we rely on God. We pray. We pray before we begin service. We pray before we have meals. We pray before uh, we go on outreach. We pray. We trust God. And we don't just do it just because that's the Christian thing to do is to pray before you do something. I think that's an important thing. I'm not saying that in a bad way. But again, sometimes people think, oh, we're going to pray before this, pray before we do that. But again, we put prayer first. I believe that prayer has opened the door so many times in the course of this church's history for God to do things that are just impossible for man to understand and impossible for man to do. But God has done it because God's people have used this tool, have used this resource, this privilege that God has extended to us, his people, over the years. And again, it's a connection that we have with God, a tool, resource that God has afforded to every single one of us. But as I said well, just, just then, it's a privilege as well. A great privilege we have to, to gain access to the very throne room of God by the grace of God. And not just by the grace of God, but it's also because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. See, we, we look at this, this aspect of prayer because I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand how many people struggle with a, a faithful prayer life. I, I would say this, the majority of the people in here would probably raise their hand and say, I struggle with a faithful prayer life. I can open this Bible, I can grab it, it's sitting there on my table, it's sitting there on the dash of my car, and I can grab that thing, it's, it's a tangible, it's a physical thing, and I can grab it and I can, and I can read it every day, but man, to sit down in a quiet place without having anything else going on, without anything else distracting me, it's hard to pray faithfully. It's hard to pray and have that time with God just to, to, to do that. But I want us to remember how great of a privilege it is to pray to Almighty God. What an amazing privilege, again, by the grace of God and through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to look at those scriptures real quick because the Bible says we have this high priest with God and, and it's so vital to get this. It's so important to get this important thing of prayer because of Jesus Christ, his grace, because of the position he has. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a, a great high priest that's passed into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which should not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, every single moment of our days on this earth, we need God's help. Where we get off and where we, get, where we, where we mess up is when we start thinking we don't need God's help. We, we get up in the day and we've got the things that we've got to do, the responsibilities we have, and we forget that we need God every moment of that day. 
Oftentimes, it's, it's important for us to even before you, you swing out of that bed, just when you open those eyes or that alarm clock, you hit it off, just, just to say, God, thank you for this day. Guide me today with your spirit. Maybe even before you have that private alone time with God. But just acknowledging the fact that you have access to the throne of God by the grace of God. You have a high priest that's making intercession. And again, this open, this great privilege to the throne room of God because of Jesus Christ. And again, as I said, by the blood of Jesus Christ as well, Hebrews chapter 10, having therefore, verse 19, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, listen to this, by the blood of Jesus. So it's the fact that he's our high priest is because it's God's grace that we're afforded this privilege to enter in to the presence of God, to gain mercy and grace for, the time, for help uh, in, in this world. And also, again, we can enter boldly into the presence because not of our own merit, not because of our own goodness, not because of anything else, but because the blood that was shed on our account to give us entrance into God's throne room. It says very clearly, by a new and living way which he consecrated us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with this high priest, with this blood that's given us access. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So again, this morning we see an amazing tool, but also a great amazing privilege. We're celebrating 32 years of what God has done, answering prayers in, in this church and through this church. Matter of fact, as we speak, there's another church going on because of great prayers and because of uh, the, the great work of God. Up in Aubrey, a church plant, this church, God birthed through prayer and through faithfulness. Again, there's, there are souls being reached there that you and I probably would never reach on our own in this ministry here in this area. But because of prayer, because of God working in accordance to his will and his desire and his people saying, you know what? We're going to pray. We're going to seek God's face. We're going to fast. And we're going to really see what God has to do and what God will do. So as we look at this, we're going to see three vital things about prayer. Three vital things concerning prayer. Number one is this, we see instructions for prayer. One of the things that people say when they first get saved, uh, if they've never been to church before, if they've never been around uh, anybody praying, they, they say these words right here, but I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. And Jesus, his disciples were there and, and, and he had been spending time with God himself, the God the Father himself. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was spending time with the Father several times as has happened now. And so when he had ceased, the Bible says, when he stopped praying, his disciples noticed that, that man, he was going from instance to instance to situation to uh, these, these trials, this lawyer's trying to trap him, and, and now uh, this, this woman's getting upset because Mary's sitting at his feet, and Jesus immediately goes, and he's praying, he's communing with the Father. His disciples are noticing this, and they're saying, wait a second. And he's doing this all the time. Jesus. It's one who's performing all these miracles, who has all this power. He's, he's doing this all the time. He's all the time talking with the Father. And so when he's done praying, one of the disciples asks him when he gets back to the group, says, listen, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. John, he taught his disciples, you teach us to pray. And so the instructions for prayer are very important. The reason why is this, because the instructions for prayer underscore the importance of prayer. If Jesus wouldn't have given instructions on how to pray or the elements of what our prayer should have, then we could say, well, maybe it's not that important for us to pray. But the fact that Jesus, God in the flesh himself, took time 
all the time to talk with God the Father, to, to commune with God the Father. And not only that, when his disciples asked him, teach us how to do it. Teach us, teach us the right way, to give us the right elements. Jesus, he didn't say, oh, you a little faith. Just talk to God. He didn't say, you're asking me to do something that's not important. Jesus could have said anything at this point in time, but when they asked him, this is obviously important, so please teach us. So the instructions for prayer underscore the importance of prayer or for prayer. This is so vital for us to get because we're about to go through these elements in prayer and, and, and we're going to see these things and you've got to get with all of this. This is why it's such a privilege for us to pray because of what God has given to us in these instructions. The first thing that we see is very clear is an address. See, there is one Father. There's one God. There's one Lord overall. It is, it is the God of the Bible. Jehovah, Elohim, it, there is one God only. And so when he says, our Father who art in heaven, it's an address. There, you are the only God. We are talking to the one and only God. Not a God among many other gods, but the one and only God. Again, the address is very clear and it's very intimate. See, the reason why it's important to address Almighty God is because it's in that that we acknowledge he is hearing and he is going to answer from omnipotence. I said, um, what? Omnipotence, from, from a place of all power. Again, as almighty God, he is coming from a place that he is not limited by anything, is not limited uh, in his power at all. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. And so when we say, our Father who art in heaven, we're acknowledging the fact that he is the only one we're turning to. He is the only one who has that power. Not only to hear, but to work on our behalf. The second part of the, the address, or the second part of the prayer is this. Praise and humbleness, or humility. See, he is set apart and worthy to be respected. He's worthy to be revered. He's worthy to be praised. So as hallowed be thy name. He is completely set apart as almighty God. Not only all powerful, but all holy. And he's worthy of praise in that. But the third element is this an eternal perspective. It says, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Approaching God with, an, with the right perspective is vital because that's where I think so many of our prayers go off. We're going through something in this world and it's difficult for us and we come to God and we say, God, I need you to fix this because it's hard on me. And this is not a popular message to preach in this day and time. Because you can go to several places and they're going to tell you that you're supposed to feel good all the time as a child of God. But I'm going to tell you this, this life is full of trials and this, this life is full of difficulty. It's full of loss. It's full of hurt. It's full of all those things. But that is one of the amazing blessings of prayer Amen. in a relationship with Almighty God who is born all our sorrows, who, who, has, who has walked and, and, and is acquainted with our, our afflictions, just as we read in Hebrews chapter 4. That's why it's so vital to understand this, this, this relationship with God, this privilege of prayer has to be used. And so when we approach God, we have to approach him with an eternal perspective, knowing that, you know what, what I'm going through right now, what I'm dealing with right now might just be everything God needs for me to go through right now. To make me who he wants to make me. To bring glory to him and to accomplish his will. 
And so we, we get in those places and we're like, well, I don't like that though. Nobody should have to feel this. Nobody should have to go through this. That oftentimes is from a temporal perspective. Because if we could see the other side with an eternal perspective, we would all, I believe, many times say, if not all the time say, that was worth it. That trial, that misery, that difficulty, that loss, it was worth it for this. A few weeks ago, I shared the, the story of Brother Tim Lee and his, his um, losing his granddaughter. And again, the hurt, the loss that that family is still going through and will continue to go through is unimaginable. It's unimaginable. But God has done something eternal through all of that that no one could have ever fathomed happening in the temporal realm. But God did something miraculous. Hundreds of people have been born again who are on their way to an eternal death in the lake of fire. It's, again, hard for us, but when we approach God, we've got to approach Him with an eternal perspective. This is so vital. But the fourth element is this, submission. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus would be challenged with this. If you were here a few weeks ago and Brother Harold uh, Noble was preaching, he preached nevertheless, nevertheless. And again, that's one of the things that we have to get to in our life is when we go through circumstances, God, it's okay to bring our desires to him, to say, God, I'm feeling this emotionally. God, I'm feeling this mentally. I'm feeling this physically. I'm struggling, God. I, he knows that, but he wants to have that communion. It's okay to tell him that. And, I, and I'd love to be delivered from this. I'd love to, for, for this to end. Please, God, I want this to end. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Again, Jesus is telling the disciples here and telling us today that when we approach God, we've got to approach him with an eternal perspective. Lord, let your kingdom, your eternal kingdom come and let your will be done, not mine. So we have to have submission in our approach to God. God, these are my desires, but no matter what, I want your will accomplished in my life. That's a hard place to get sometimes because many in here are going through things that are unfathomable, are, are, are unimaginable, are unexplainable. You're dealing with things now that you, you wish it would end any second now. But where God wants every single one of us to get, and you heard me say this a couple weeks ago, is through the trial, through the storm, he wants us to stay submitted. Just like a, a sail in the wind. He wants us to stay submitted. And again, Jesus is pointing this element, this aspect of prayer out. And that kind of goes in line with the next one, which is reliance. It's trusting God to provide physically, to provide spiritually, because he says, give us this day our daily bread. So important for, to, to know that we are relying on God to provide all our needs. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? If you look back before in that, in that uh, chapter, he's talking about all the things that the Gentiles worry about, the clothes, the food, the, the shelter. Jesus said, listen, trust me and put my kingdom first, and I promise you as a loving father, I'm going to provide everything that you need. And so again, reliance. Not only that, the end of this prayer, it says, deliver us from evil. Again, we're trusting God, we're relying on God for not only our physical needs, but also our spiritual needs to provide for us and to keep us from evil. And then there's a couple of important aspects here. Re repentance is involved. Forgive us as we forgive those who, who, who are indebted to us. So we talked about this just a couple weeks ago. We can't have a right relationship with God if we're not right with our fellow man. 
And it's hard to have the right kind of relationship with our fellow man if we don't have the right relationship with God. And so we've got to make sure that repentance is involved when we approach the throne of God. And then lastly, of course, relationship. It's all about relationship. You may be here this morning and say, well, I just want to know what the point of my life is. I, I really, I, with all the stuff I've gone through, with all the stuff I'm going through right now, what's the point of my life? You know what the point of your life is? To get a relationship and have a relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. That's what this life is for every single one of us who open our, who open our eyes and take our breath on this earth. We come into this earth. God's desire, His will, is that there's none that perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. What's God's, what does God have me here on this earth for? The, the most important primary reason God has you here on this earth is to have a relationship with Him. That's it. So, I mean, it's got to be more complicated than that. It is. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. And then he wants you to go tell other people how to get a relationship with him. That's what this life is about. We have all the other things. Everything else revolves around that. The things that we have in this world as far as uh, other relationships, uh, possessions, homes, all that stuff, activities, all of it should point back to our relationship with him. It's not about your job. It's not about your status. It's not about the things you have. It's about the relationship with Jesus Christ, with God that you have, with Jesus Christ. Again, it's all about relationship, a relationship that's formed by repentance and by faith. See, if you've never repented, if you've never turned from living a life of sin to Jesus Christ in faith, realizing that he came to this earth as God in the flesh, realizing that he lived a sinless life, because no one else in this world could live a sinless life. He lived it for us. And so he died on the cross for us, paying our penalty. But because he's God and he can't be contained, and because he's victorious over sin and death, he rose again the third day. He's the only, only God. He's the only one out of all the other false gods who not only claimed it, but he did it. Almighty God came to die for his people, and rose again to give them life. You can study and you can look at every other religion, and all those false gods, none of them, none of them did what our God did because he's the one and only true God, and he truly does love us. So again, it's about this relationship. So if it's all about a relationship with God in this life, if it's all about that, then prayer, the only prayer, for a lost person, someone who has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, the only prayer is a, a prayer of repentance and faith for salvation, to gain that relationship. And for those of us who have that relationship, these instructions are so important because they include these vital components. They show us all the things that our relationship, our interaction, our conversation with God is to, is to be composed of. And it's so important because what God demonstrated in his love, coming to this earth, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, this love is so much more than we could ever imagine. And so my, my, my burden is whenever in my life there's a struggle with, with finding time to pray or, or having the time set aside to pray, there's something wrong with my whole perspective, with my whole life, if that's the case. 
And so if that's you today, if you say, I'm so busy, I don't have time to pray, I'm going to say this. You need to get something straight if that's your life. Something needs to get made right, right now. Because if, the, if this whole life is about having a relationship with God and prayer is that tool, prayer is that conduit, prayer is that blessing, that privilege of our relationship with God on a day-by-day basis, it should be at the very forefront of our everyday life. Every day we should be turning to God, talking to Him, praying with Him, communing with Him. And God so loved the world that He gave. That He gave what? His only begotten Son so that what? So that, yes, we would have eternal life and not perish. But it's all about the relationship. So that we would have an eternal relationship with an eternal God. So as a believer, these instructions, these elements are vital. To understand what a healthy prayer life looks like. To have intimacy and to have clarity. To include prayer and humility. Coming from an eternal and coming with an eternal perspective. With submission and reliance and trust. And faith and repentance. Again, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them because he modeled this life of communion and prayer. As I said a while ago, if it wasn't important, Jesus wouldn't have done it. You say, how important is prayer? Why are you talking about prayer on a 30-second anniversary service? Shouldn't we be talking about the great things God has done? We, we've done that, but I'm telling you this. Nothing great that God has done has been birthed aside or apart from prayer. All of it has been because God's people have called on God's name and said, we need you. We want you to do this. God, we are submitting to your will. God, we are sacrificing according to your plan. Whatever the case, it's all because God's people had a relationship with him and submitted to him and yielded to him and called on his name. Remember what Jesus said? Ask and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But not only the fact that Jesus did it, not only the fact that he gave instructions on how to pray, but the fact is this. He had appointed times and places. Look back in verse 1 again. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples asked him. Again, Jesus' example gives us another instruction beyond the elements that we saw there. Beyond his words, there's another instruction there. He said, how can I have a better prayer life with God? How can I be more faithful in my prayer life with God? I see all of these elements. I see the instructions that he gave in prayer. But how else can I do it? Take the other instruction that Jesus gave in his example. What was the other instruction that he gave in his, in his example? Make prayer a priority with a time and a place. Make prayer a priority with a time and a place. I promise you this, you've heard me say this about outreach, you've heard me say this about uh, church uh, uh, attendance. We schedule the things that we intend to do, right? If, if we intend to go to the doctor, we make that schedule, we, we set that appointment. If we intend to go on a vacation, what do we do? We don't just walk into the, the, the boss's office and say, hey, I'm going on vacation this week. All right, see you later. We don't do that. We set an appointment. We make it a time. We set it aside. Because why? Because that's important for us to go on vacation. <laughs> I shared with the, with the guys last week at our men's Bible study. You devote yourself to what matters. 
You devote yourself to what matters. If your relationship with the Lord matters, then we better be devoting ourselves in that relationship, talking with him, walking with him. Again, Jesus showed it was very important to set aside and make time to commune with the Father. If God in the flesh showed us that example, we should do the same. Corey Boom said this, don't, don't, just, uh, don't pray just when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A believer is powerful on his knees. So again, if this is true, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard if this is true? I believe what Oswald Chambers says. He, he said this, the battle of prayer is against two things, wandering thoughts and lack of intimacy with God's character as revealed in his word. Neither can be cured at once, but both can be cured by discipline. If you're struggling with having a, a, an intimate and a thriving prayer life, I challenge you right now, look at your day and set aside a day and a time and a place every single day and make it happen. Make it happen. That, that's called discipline. When you say, you know what? Again, when you go on a diet, when you go on an exercise program, what do you do? There's many exercise programs that have what? They have schedules. They have calendars. They have you set on a regimen to do certain things on certain days to keep you on track. And that's called discipline. There should be no greater privilege, no greater discipline. There should be no greater devotion that we have as the children of God than our devotion with communi uh, communing with God on a daily basis. Our flesh wages war against the regenerated spirit inside of every single one of us who are believers. It's contrary to the new man that we are. So you know, why is it so hard to do that, though? I can schedule this. I can schedule my lunch. I can schedule this. How, why is it so hard to, to do this in praying with God? Because we have the flesh, and the flesh and the spirit are contrary. They're battling every single day against each other. It doesn't, it doesn't please the flesh to get alone and get quiet and not be busy and not have all these other things. It doesn't please the flesh. But that's why it's important to do. The battle is first seen and most viciously, viciously seen against the flesh in our prayer life. If we don't have a strong prayer life, we're not going to have a strong walk. That's just the reality. So I feel like I have a pretty strong, no, 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 no. It's just time. Satan's looking for his time. And when he comes at you, if your prayer life, if you don't have a communion with God, and when he does come, when he wages that attack, he's going to get you. You've got to have it. And even with a strong prayer life, Satan's good. Satan is very good. The importance of prayer, again, is expressed in what Jesus gave. Prayer is important. It's vital. But number two, importunity in prayer. The second thing we see is importunity in prayer. Verse 5, he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is on his journey. Come to me. I don't have anything to give him. And he from within shall answer, look, don't trouble me. The door's shut. We're in bed. I can't rise and give you. But it says this, though he will not rise and give it to him because he's his friend, yet because he keeps asking, keeps knocking, and won't leave him alone, he gets up, he gives him everything he needs, it says in verse 8, all that is needed. And so he says, so I'm telling you, you need to keep asking to receive. And you keep seeking to find. You keep knocking, and the door will be open unto you. Those are the promises of God. If you know it's God's will, if you know what God wants to do because it's spelled out in his word, you can continue to have confidence and faith and come into God day after day, calling on him, 
asking, seeking, knocking, and you can guarantee that God's going to answer. Because again, it's according to his word and God cannot lie. And in this life, we pursue after so many things. We can be persistent in so many things. Think about your life. Examine your life right now. Think about it. You, 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 can, you can know there's certain things that you are persistent in. Again, whether it be a diet or whether it be an exercise program or whether it be trying to get that next level at your job or whether it be trying to get that house. or because we, we, begin to, we begin to become so persistent in so many things. A little girl sitting down here is... Uh, kind of, there you go. <laughs> Our youngest, I will say, is extremely persistent. Extremely persistent. Whenever she was a, a littler girl, she would do things like jump off the bed and try to grab the ceiling fan. And she would try that until she did it. She was very persistent. And even to this day, she's just extremely persistent in the things that she gets in her head. Sometimes we have this, this battle of the will because she is determined to get her thoughts out. Sometimes we're trying to talk and she's just, she's got to get it out. She's very persistent. And again, I think us as adults even can become like that in our lives. We are determined, we become persistent in what we want, what we want to do. We, we, we have our mindset, we become hard-headed when it comes to what we want and how our life goes or how our life should go. But I will say this. Being importunate or being persistent in prayer is the most important thing we could be persistent in. Again, if you, if you are believing God for something today, you better keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep trusting. Listen, I've, I, I've had this prayer with God many times before, and this is the battle. Maybe you've had this battle, maybe you haven't. I've come to God and said, God, I've, I've prayed about this one time, and I'm coming to you again, not because I don't trust that you didn't hear me, not because I don't trust that you can't do it, because I, but I'm coming to you now in full faith, just like I did the first time, believing that you're, you're, you're trying my faith. That's why you're not answering this prayer. So I'm going to keep asking because I believe this is your will. I'm going to keep asking because I believe this is what you want. But I've had that, that, that battle in my prayer before where I said, well, should I ask God again about this? Because I've already asked him once, and if I asked him once and I trust that he's going to do it, should I have to ask him again? Does that show my lack of faith or my doubt that God is going to hear or that he answers? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep, keep knocking on those doors. See, this is where we get our power. This is where we get our strength is from the Lord in prayer. It's been said, time alone uh, time spent alone with God is not wasted. It changes us. It changes our surrounding. And every Christian who would live a life that counts and the power for service makes, must take time to pray. In prayer, we find our connection with God. In prayer, we find our communion with God. In prayer, we find that conduit from God, the conduit of God's power in our lives. Listen, if you're struggling with having victory in your Christian life, you better get on your knees. And start experiencing the power that only comes from God, only communing with God, and only connecting with God. And again, that is what prayer is. It's that connection. How many parents and grandparents in here have a kid or a grandkid like, like we have that's persistent? Anybody else have a kid or grandkid like that? Maybe when it comes to candy or when it comes to what they want. Again, we have, the, we have these people in our lives. We don't take no for an answer. 
Why do they not take no for an answer? Because their desire pushes them to persist. And I want to say this before we move to the last point. Our desire for God should push us to persist in prayer. If you have that relationship with God, your desire, my desire for God, should push us to be persistent in prayer. I want more of God. I want to know Him more. I want to be closer to Him. I want to do more for Him. I want Him to use my life up because my life is all about this relationship with Him. And so I'm going to continue to be persistent in prayer. Point number three, investment of prayer. We see instructions of prayer. We see importunate, uh, being importunate with prayer. And also we see the investment of prayer. Very quickly, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, he's going to give him, is he going to give him a servant? If he asks for an egg, is he going to give him a scorpion? He says, if you're evil, if you're sinful people, if you, you make mistakes, and yet when your children come to you, they ask you these things, you're not going to give them those things. You're going to give them those things. If they're hungry, that's what you're going to give them. How much more, he says, your heavenly father, who is not evil, who's perfect, who has a love that's un uncomprehensible. I mean... How much more is God going to do that on your behalf? And I want you to get this before we close this morning. So many times whenever we're praying according to God's will, we're thinking that because we're sinners, because we're wrong, we're off, that God doesn't want to do good for us anymore. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm pretty sure that most of us in here would raise our hand and say, I've been in that place before. Where I've not been living my life right, where I've, I, I, maybe the guilt of my past Maybe all those things are just piling up against me and, and I go to God and I, and, I, and I begin to ask him and then I start feeling like, you know what? God doesn't have to answer my prayer. God doesn't have to answer this. That's exactly right. But you remember what we read back in Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 10? That we can find grace and mercy. We don't deserve to call on him in the first place. We don't deserve to, that's why repentance is so important to be involved in our approach to God. God, I'm sorry. Cleanse me. Forgive me. God, I don't want to make things right with anybody that's, uh, that I don't have anything uh, right with right now. But again, we've got to make sure that we see the investment in prayer. The word investment means an act of devoting time, effort, energy, and a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. So if you're important, if you're persistent in prayer, you're investing, and the prayer is going to yield worthwhile results. How can this be so sure? How can you be so sure? How can you be so certain that this is the, the, the reality? Because it's based off the character. It's based off the word of God. That's how I know us spending time with God in prayer is a worthwhile investment. Just as Jesus explained, if, a, if an earthly father provides for his kids when they ask, an all-wise and all-loving God is going to give to his children when they ask of him. Charles Spurgeon once said this, there's no need for us to go beating around the bush and not telling the Lord distinctly what it is that we crave at his hands. Nor will it be seemly for us to make any attempt to use fine language. But let us ask God in the simplest and most direct manner for the things we want. Remember what one of the instructions were for prayer? It's that, that address, that clear, direct talk with God. He said, I believe in, in, in business prayers. I mean prayers in which you take to God one of the many promises which he has given us in his word and expect it to be fulfilled as certainly as we look for the money to be given to us when we go to the bank and cash a check. 
Andrew Murray also said, Beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. Not only by unbelief, but by thinking that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. See, it's prayer that prompts, I mean, faith that prompts prayer, and prayer fuels faith. This morning, as our musicians make their way, why, why this message? We're walking through Scripture, yes, but I'm going to say this. If you don't have a thriving prayer life this morning, if you're a child of God and you don't have a thriving prayer life, it needs to change this morning. Because what none of us know is this, what's right around the corner. The Bible t- tells us this, that, that Satan, is, the enemy has come to, to kill, steal, and destroy He's looking to throw those fiery darts. He's looking to destroy your life. He's looking to tear down your family. He's looking to destroy the Lord's church. And we know that he can't prevail against it, but it's because the people of God relying on God Almighty. And so if you don't have a a, a persistent, a a thriving prayer life this morning, I'm, I'm begging you for your own benefit and for the benefit of this church. It needs to change this morning. Make a time, set a schedule, make, make it a, a specific place and keep it every single day. Make sure that you are connected with God through this great privilege and this great blessing of prayer. And as I said in the very beginning, if you've never, if you've never entered into that relationship with Almighty God, listen, your good works aren't going to get you there. Praying a prayer is not going to get you there. Remember, prayer is about a relationship. And again, the only way you can have a relationship with Almighty God to know that you have an eternal home with Him versus an eternal death in in the lake of fire is by placing your faith surrendering your life to jesus christ the fact that he died on the cross and he rose from the 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 grave trusting in him alone the only way you can have a relationship with god is through that and you can do that today i beg you to do that today don't leave this place even if you've been in church before even if you've prayed a prayer before if you don't have a relationship with god please come today there's a couple ministers that'll be here And they'll show you in scripture how that can happen. But church, let's make sure that we don't discount what God has done, not only in our life, but in this church's life, through prayer. I challenge you to come today. God, I want to be be more faithful. My, My walk, my relationship with you is lacking because I don't talk to you enough. I should be loving on you and and talking to you, connecting with you every single day, but I don't. Because I'm so busy about my stuff. I'm so busy about this world stuff. I don't, I don't talk to you enough. Why don't let's get to that place, and I promise you this. You want to see victory and power in your life? You want to see victory and power in this church's life? It's going to happen through that prayer. It's going to happen through lives of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time again, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this reminder again. We know that 32 years all belong to you. Lord, this is your church. Lord, you've done the great works people that you've saved, the people that you've added. It's all you, Lord. But we also realize that you've given us this relationship with you. We have this great tool, this great privilege of prayer. Something so important that you modeled for us as you walked this earth. Something so important that you gave us instructions for. Something so important that you set a a time aside as you walked on this earth, God. Again, help us not to discount this great important tool, this great important privilege of communing with you every single day of walking with you and talking with you, of praying with you, praying to you, Lord. I, I ask now that you just move our hearts. 
Lord, if there's those in here, which many Christians struggle with, Lord, those though that are, that are struggling with having a, a persistent prayer life, I pray today that would change. They would see the importance of prayer. They'd be importunate in prayer. God, they'd be investing in prayer. Lord, just move now. I'll praise you for what you do. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.